Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 186. We'll continue in the Psalms with a brief summary of chapters 131 through 134 and continue with some thoughts about togetherness. If you're keeping score at home, Psalm 131 is the 12th Song of Ascent in the series of 15. Three verses in all, the poet confesses that, quote, my heart has not been haughty, nor have my eyes looked too high. Meaning, the poet knew his place, and, quote, I have calmed and contented myself like a weaned babe on its mother. And so, he recommends this course of action, this patience for everyone, quote, wait, O Israel, for Adonai now and forevermore. Psalm 132 captures David at a critical juncture in his career, having conquered Jerusalem, but, quote, I will not come into the tent of my home, I will not mount my couch, I will not give sleep to my eyes, nor slumber to my lids, until I find a place for Adonai. And in exchange, the poet tells us, God promised David that his descendants would rule, and that his city, Jerusalem, would command God's protection. Quote, I will surely bless its provisions, its needy, I will sate with bread, and its priests I will clothe with triumph, and its faithful will surely sing gladly. There will I make a horn grow for David, I have readied a lamp for my anointed. Psalm 133 begins with what's arguably the most well-known Hebrew song for children and many adults, Hine matov umanaim, shevet achim gam yachad. Look how good and how pleasant is the dwelling of brothers or siblings together. Because when people come together, it's just wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. Quote, like goodly oil on the head coming down over the beard, Aaron's beard that comes down over the openings of his robe, like Hermon's dew that comes down on the parched mountains. Psalm 134 is the final song of ascent, and it concludes with a double blessing, one offered by the people to God, and one God is taken to offer in return. And on that note of blessing, here endeth the lesson. Psalm 133, as I mentioned before, includes a line that has probably been sung in practically every Jewish setting. You know, with arms across each other's shoulders, swaying to the rhythm. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the beginning of synagogue services or, you know, day school or supplementary school or youth group or camp programs. You know what I'm talking about. But there's a little something that's always bothered me about those words. Not the sentiment, the words. We can all get behind the sentiment. It's a message of unity and togetherness. Look how good and how pleasant is the dwelling of siblings together. It's unimpeachably positive and lovely. Except there's just something weird about the Hebrew in the second line. Shevet achim gam yachad. Why gam yachad? You could have said shevet achim yachad. The being together of siblings, no problem. You could have even said Shevet Achim Beyachat, which, even though you're adding a preposition, that bet, which stands for with, the meaning is the same. But gam, gam means also, or to, or additionally, or in addition to, which makes rendering the line into English a bit of a mess. Look how good and how pleasant is the dwelling of siblings also together. 
What does that mean? Also together. Additionally together. Can there be a being together that's not together that you can add together to? Which speaks, I guess, to the perpetual question about Jewish peoplehood. Yes, two Jews, three opinions, the desert island Jew who builds two synagogues because he wouldn't set foot in the second one. But we have this narrative, as probably every other people on earth, that we stick together and we get along. I guess that's the very definition of tribalism or whatever you want to call it, in-group cohesion, fraternity, sorority. But sometimes, and depending on the topic, it's not all that clear that Jews get along. If you want to hear some Jews screaming, walk into a room full of folks and say Palestine and see what happens. I've also heard it said that cosmopolitan, postmodern, urban Jews have more in common with similarly urban, cosmopolitan, postmodern Christians or Muslims than they do with ultra-Orthodox Jews. Possibly. And in what esteem do cosmopolitan, postmodern Jews hold their ultra-Orthodox siblings? And how does, how does that work in reverse? Would ultra-Orthodox Jews look at cosmopolitan, postmodern, urban, secular Jews and say, sibling? Or would they look askance or just look away? Have we entered a time in our history, living now for centuries in open societies in the West, and for some of us, almost three quarters of a century in a quasi-open society of our own making in the Middle East, where we have effectively transcended the tribal urge, or have we simply fractured into even smaller tribes? The poet has an answer. There is a baseline of connection. There is a shevet achim, a being together that is almost inscribed into our Jewish soul that connects us to our fellow Jew, be they Mizrahi, Ashkenazi, Sephardi, white, black, brown, secular, reform, reconstructing, orthodox, conservative, of no religion, cis, trans, straight, or LGBTQIA, and everything else in between. But the poet also acknowledges that there are some very significant differences, and that sometimes this baseline is just that, a baseline. A low hum in the background. You know, it's there, but you have to listen closely to really hear it. This baseline, this level of Shevet Achim, however, is not enough for a true connection. We have many precedents in the Tanakh of members of the same family, mostly brothers, but some sisters, who dwell in the same household, but are not together. Think of Cain and Hevel, of Yitzchak and Yishmael, of Yaakov and Esav, of Rachel and Leah, of the brothers and Yosef. You have to turn up the volume. You, you have to make the tacit spoken, the overt covert. And that's why there's a gum. Because sometimes, in addition to the Sheva Dachim, the dwelling of siblings, you have to add Yachad together. Peoplehood is no guarantee of unity. For that, you have to work hard and maintain it, which is why the poet exclaims, look how good and how pleasant it is, and which is why we sing it as part of practically every mass gathering as a reminder, because we cannot take it for granted, because it requires a lot from us, a lot of compromise and a lot of acceptance. But when it happens, it's truly wondrous. Like we heard today, spread the word about Tanakhcast. Tell a friend about Tanakhcast over coffee. Send another friend an email or text, nothing fancy. 
help your aunt who just got her first smartphone to download a podcatcher and subscribe to Tanakhcast. And if you have a spare moment after all that, write a brief glowing review at Apple Podcasts. Apparently, it helps people who might be interested in a little Bible learning vibe this podcast, and it's also a nice thing to do. If you want to help in an even bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast at Patreon.com and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for... Episode 187, when we continue in Psalms with chapters 135 through 138.